So Mark 10, starting verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud and honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We've left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home, or brothers or sisters, or mother or father, or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Shall we pray? These things are impossible for man, but nothing is impossible for God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these extraordinary and powerful words on the lips of your Son. And we ask that you would Open our ears to hear him speak to us this morning through this text. Open our minds to understand what his words mean for us, each one of us. And open our hearts that we might respond not as this rich man did, but as the disciples and follow him to you. Amen. So, here's a game we can play together. Don't look alarmed. It's all right. I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat or even talk to the person next to you. It's just between you and God. So I guess it's not really a game at all. It's more of a spiritual exercise. So here are five really important things 
uh, that we treasure. Our language, our nationality, our money and possessions, our closest relationships, and our faith. Okay, have you got that? You have to hold it in your head because it's not up on the screen. Our language, our nationality, our treasure, our, our possessions and, and money, our closest possessions, and our faith. Now, if you had to give up one of those five, which would you give up? Which would you leave behind? Which is least important to you? Language, nationality, money and possessions, closest relationships, faith. No consulting with your family. If you're going to give up number four, you probably best not consult with them anyway. Okay, have you made your choice? Language, nationality, money and possessions, closest relationships, faith. Okay. So you've given one of those up. Now you have to give up another. So what would you choose next? What do you lose next? Language, nationality, money and possessions, closest relationships, faith. Which was number two. And now you have to give up the third. Which is it going to be? Language, nationality and possessions. Closest relationships, faith. I did that wrong. Language, nationality, money and possessions. Closest relationships, faith. And now you have to give up a fourth one. You're only allowed to keep one of them. Which one are you going to keep? Language, nationality, money and, relation, uh, money and possessions, closest relationships, faith. Which are you going to keep? When my wife and family and I went abroad on the mission field, in the world around us, the community that we stepped into, uh, into all five of those things had changed. It was a different Language, it was a different nationality, different money, different relationships, a different faith. Although we were blessed in our nuclear family, we were able to keep all five of those. But it may be that for some of you sitting here, you have already in at some point had to leave completely behind one or some of those five. And of course, our hearts go out at the moment to people in the Ukraine who are leaving behind one, more, maybe all of those things that have been dear to them, have defined their identity as they flee their cities. I'm hoping that this little exercise has helped you to step more vividly into this encounter between this wealthy, wealthy man and Jesus. 
The start of the story is quite shocking, actually. We may be very familiar with it. We may have lost that sense of shock. But it's rather like the one about Zacchaeus. Here is someone who's desperate to meet Jesus. And in order to do so, he breaks the usual conventions. Zacchaeus climbs up his sycamore tree, a thing that you never did in public. This man, running in the sun, falls on his knees on the road before Jesus. So the question he's asking is no sort of casual mealtime conversation starter, you know, kind of, you know, here's a guest, let's ask some interesting question about the politics or the religion of the day. This question is wrung out of a soul in distress. Maybe something has happened to him that's turned his life upside down. Perhaps someone close to him has died and he's asking questions he never thought to ask before. Or maybe he's heard Jesus preaching and his spirit has been stirred to its depths. I wonder if that echoes with you this morning. Are you desperate for answers to the deeper questions of life? And this man's question is certainly still a potent one. What must I do to inherit eternal life? There must be more than this life. At this point, all he knows about Jesus is what he's seen of him. He's clearly a kind, good man. He's an inspiring, challenging preacher. He's teaching new things about God with authority. He's got power to touch lives and heal them. He's unafraid to offend the powerful and speak out against injustice. He seems to be bringing the eternal life of God into the present. How can I have some of what you have? That's a phrase one often hears from someone who's teetering on the brink of relationship with Jesus. I really like what I've seen in the lives of this or that Christian that I've met. and I want what they've got. As followers of Jesus, it's sometimes our most compelling witness just to allow Jesus to change us and to become more like him. And then others see Jesus in us and they want what we've found. Interestingly, though, the question this man asks hides a couple of popular preconceptions, both of which... Jesus spots and challenges. The first is that eternal life is something that we can get. And therefore, it requires us to do something to get it. What can I do to get eternal life? That's a particular temptation for those of us who are used to making things happen. Not surprising, I guess, that this rich man expected to have to and be able to do something to get eternal life. And the other thing is that it's something to do with goodness. That's very English as well. I'm a decent guy. I'm sure God would let me in. Well, Jesus challenges this second one head on. No one gets to call themselves good. Only God is good. If you think eternal life is about being good enough for God, think again. Well, that's us told. 
The answer to this question is not about being good. We will never be good enough to justify eternal life with God. And if we think we are good enough, then we're arrogant as well as wrong. So, if I can't be good enough, what can I do to gain eternal life? Well, asked Jesus, what have you done so far? Well, I've kept all God's commandments. I've never murdered or even hated. I've never committed adultery or even lusted after a woman. Never stolen or lied or taken what wasn't mine. Never acted like a tyrant moving into someone else's country, butchering all I meet so I can get what I want. I've honored those closest to me from whom I've received the most. And always I've done this ever since I was old enough to make decisions for myself. That stopped Jesus for a moment. Hmm, pretty good. I'm impressed. He looks this man in the eyes. He sees the sincerity, the desire to do the right thing. But he sees something else too. A slight withholding, a slight self-congratulation perhaps. And he knows what that is. Ah. So close and yet so far away. Just one more thing then. Give away everything. Not to your family, but to the poor. And then you will really have treasure to offer God. And come and follow me. Shock, then doubt. Then sadness clouds this man's face. He wasn't expecting that. He'd always thought that wealth was a sign of God's blessing. He's never had to. He's never thought he'd have to choose between these two of the five treasures, between his wealth and his religion. He looks around at the followers of Jesus and he sees what he hadn't noticed before. They are all poor, friends of Jesus, but without wealth. He can't grasp the connection between these two. Loved by Jesus. He can see it in Jesus' eyes. Invited by him to become his friend, to be with him and do what he does. That was the invitation to the disciples. And he can't make the choice. And so he turns slowly and sadly away. That moment, that choice will stay with him throughout his life and perhaps into eternity. How terrible. Not to choose Jesus. And that's the greatest irony. He didn't have to give away everything to achieve eternal life. He just had to choose Jesus. To trust him. To live with him. As Jesus would say later, this is eternal life. To know you, the one true God, And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
This man rejected the opportunity to know Jesus, to trust him, to follow him into eternal life. And he did it because he couldn't let go of the wealth that he had. He couldn't stop trusting what he possessed, which therefore possessed him, and trust Jesus instead. Is that the struggle you face? Jesus understands how tough a struggle it is. Harder than getting a camel through the eye of a needle. Whether that's a pedestrian gate or whether it's trying to get a rope through a sewing needle. But please, don't turn away from Jesus. Stay in the struggle until he shows you how. For what is impossible for us is not impossible for Jesus. Usually it comes not through our Herculean effort, but through growing love inside us. Love for Jesus, love for his people, love for the poor. That will make giving a joy. And of course, it may not be wealth that you are hanging on to. Perhaps it's something else. Your sense of identity. What makes you you. Your rights. Your hurt. As Jesus lovingly puts his finger on the thing for you, whatever it is, he will ask you the same question. Will you trust me enough to let go of it? That's eternal life. If this is you, if you need to let go of something in order to trust Jesus, then please speak to somebody after the service, myself or or Judith. If you don't yet know Jesus, I, uh, we've heard of a uh, breakfast party and uh, an alpha coming up. Take an opportunity to hear more of him. To keep in the, in the game for the opportunity to trust him. When that man had gone sorrowfully away, Peter, the disciple, looked around and he saw what the man saw. Hadn't really thought about it before, but yes, they were all poor. They'd all left their jobs and their homes and their place in society to be with Jesus. They had climbed through that needle. We've left everything for you. Yes, said Jesus. You are with me. It's kind of like that story of the older brother and the two sons, the prodigal son and the older brother. You are always with me, and all that I have is yours. You have the resources of God. You have a family of God which will grow and grow. You've got the power of God which is available to you through prayer. You've the riches of the Holy Spirit at work within you. 
You have the status of children of God. You have an eternal destiny ahead of you. Not because you've done enough, but because you are with me. Because you trust me. And many of us look back down the story of our lives and we know that we've given away many opportunities as followers of Jesus. I don't have the salary or the pension or the house or the car or the house holidays of my peers when I was at college because I've chosen Jesus. And for many Christians across the world, that little throwaway line of Jesus's with persecutions is very telling. Because they live in a Jesus-hating country, they have had persecutions. And they may have lost all of those treasures that we spoke about at the beginning. Language, nationality, money and possessions, precious relationships and their religion because of their new faith and their stronger trust in Jesus. They have received a new language of love and of worship. They are citizens of a new country, a heavenly country. They have a new nationality. They have new wealth with God which will never perish. And they have the deepest and most precious relationships in Jesus' family which can never be taken away because they are eternally held in Jesus' love. By trusting Jesus and in consequence losing what we thought was important, we have gained as our inheritance Jesus' eternal life. And one day, sadly, those oligarchs, those wealthy men and women who have forced their way to the front of the queue will find themselves at the very back and desperate for a handout. But those at the bottom of the heap, the despised and walked on, the persecuted and abused, who have nonetheless trusted in Jesus, will find themselves ushered right to the front of the queue and through into God's presence. And they will be thrilled with how many other unexpected people are in God's presence with them even though those people were once their persecutors, because they will be gazing with love and joy together at their friend and saviour Jesus, who is crowned Lord of all. So meanwhile, thank you, followers of Jesus here in Hove, who long ago named yourself after Bishop Hannington, a sharer of the good news of Jesus who was willing to give up the most precious human treasures, his very life, to show those who didn't yet love Jesus that following him would allow them to inherit eternal life. Thank you. And thank you that you're looking for a new leader who will continue to lead you in faithful fellowship and discipleship with Jesus. And thank you too for your partnership with CPAS to support the Church of Christ across this country and around the world which needs your help. And thank you above all for your ongoing commitment to share the word of salvation no matter what the personal cost with those who don't yet believe. Thank you.
Shall we pray? All I once held dear, built my life upon. All I once thought gain, I have counted loss. Compared to this, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. Lord Jesus, you who left all things, who left your precious relationship with your Father, who left the power and glory of the kingdom of heaven to reach out to us and to die for us. Compared to this, knowing you, There is no greater thing. Amen.